welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I mentioned before, I'm going to talk a little bit about prayer this morning. We've been doing a series called On Repeat and talking about the things that it's really important that we keep reminding ourselves of. Things that um, God says about us and God says about Himself and, and who we are as believers that, that kind of form our identity and our view of God. But sometimes when we live in a world that kind of has this conflicting view of, of who you are, conflicting view of who God is, sometimes those voices can start to kind of drown out what the Word of God says, can't it? And so we've got to be reminding ourselves and coming back to what does the Word of God say? What does, what does the Word of God say about who I am? What does the Word of God say about who He is? What does the Word of God say about my relationship with Him and, uh, and, and, and His relationship with me? Uh, because it's really important that we, we keep coming back to those things, isn't it? I don't know about you, but prayer is one of those things that sometimes gets crowded out of my life. Uh, and, I, and I get busy and I get hurried and I get rushed and particularly if, uh, yeah, sometimes even when things are going great, you know, uh, I was reading a little story about three ministers that were talking about the best posture for prayer and, uh, and the first minister says, well, you know, obviously kneeling, you know, in, uh, you know, in surrender and, and uh, in respect for God is the, the best uh, posture to take when you're praying. And the second minister says, no, 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 well, you know, kneeling is fine if that's your thing, but, but really the, the best way to pray is just to stand with your, your, your arms raised, outstretched and just, you know, declaring and, and praising God. And, and uh, the third minister says, you know, well, that, that's great, you know maybe a few Pentecostals, but, uh, you know, for us, uh, the most uh, reverent and respectful posture, you know, is, is face down on the floor, prostrate before God, aware of our sinfulness and, and in humility and declaring that, uh, you know, God is a, a good God. And so they're having this kind of back and forth about the best posture for prayer. And there, there's a, an electrician nearby and he happens to overhear this conversation and he comes in and he says, Look, you know, with all due respect, guys, um, you know, I, I disagree with you all. It says the best prayers I ever prayed was upside down, hanging by one leg from a, uh, a stovey pole. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, it's an easy thing to pray when we're in the midst of a crisis and we're desperate and we're, we're reaching out to God and we really need God and we're kind of really motivated to pray in those moments, aren't we? But often the, 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 the everyday, the, the busyness and the, the hurriedness of life kind of pushes this out and I need to keep reminding myself and I think we all need to keep reminding ourselves um, of this, I need to pray. I need to pray. Now I don't uh, come this morning as having arrived, you know, I, I, I'm being challenged as much by this as any of us, I think probably all of us would would uh, kind of freely confess and admit that we need to be reminding ourselves. It's easy to kind of let it slip and let it slide a bit sometimes, isn't it? If we're not uh, intentional about setting aside time to spend with God. But it's so important. 
And it's so important, we need to be reminding ourselves of this to, to come back and to spend time with God because if we do let it slide, uh, our entire spiritual life, our relationship with God and, and so much of, of who we are as believers starts to kind of slip with it too, doesn't it? Prayer is our lifeline with a God who changes things. Prayer is a lifeline with the God who sustains us. Jesus talked about that he and the Father were one and there was this kind of this connection and that was his, his very strength and energy and life came from his connection with his Father. And prayer is our, our connection. Prayer is the way that we, we tap into and connect into and plug into our Father, uh, the, the source of our strength. That's where I... Um, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 and Paul's writing to this church and one of the things he said, this is a great memory verse by the way, if you want to start with like memorizing verses, this is a great one, here it is, you ready? First Thessalonians 5 17, never stop praying, never stop praying, anyone think they'd have trouble um, memorizing, that's a pretty easy one to remember isn't it, we're going we're gonna to memorize that one. And so I want to kind of talk a little bit about the importance of this and and like we've been saying through this series, it's not because this is a new concept. I'm not talking about this this morning because, you know, I think that none of you know that you need to pray. Like I think that we probably all know that. It's not really a a thing in, in question. I know whether or not we all do it or not, that's another story. But I think, you know, one of the things that we need to keep coming back to is is the things that are really important for us to remind ourselves and that we can forget about. Okay, so I want to look at some things this morning in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke particularly, and I want to look at some things where Luke talks about prayer. So Luke is a Gospel writer. He was meticulous and methodical in the way that he wrote. But he wrote with purpose as well. He wrote to communicate about the life and ministry of Jesus. And he also talks about prayer quite a bit. Uh, we, we read a lot of things about prayer in the Gospel of Luke. And his focus that he, he actually indicates and, and writes this himself, he says that his focus is to write about the things that Jesus did and taught until he was taken up to heaven. And one of the things that the first disciples of Jesus saw him doing was praying. This wasn't just the kind of prayer that they were used to. This was not the kind of prayer that they'd seen the Pharisees do. This was not the kind of prayer that they'd seen the other religious leaders or, or, or people kind of do in the temple. This was the kind of prayer that made them stop and go, whoa, Jesus, teach us how to do that. Now, I, I don't know about you, but it's hard sometimes to imagine what it is about somebody praying that would make you go, whoa, I want to be able to do that too. You know, sometimes we hear people that are, you know, really eloquent and they use big fancy words and they sound like they're reading the King James, but they're actually just praying, you know, and that, you know, that's cool if that's your thing. But, you know, I, I don't think it's that kind of stuff that really impresses God. It's not that kind of stuff that makes a powerful prayer, is it? 
It's not people who go on and I'm sure that we've all been in prayer meetings where someone who loves to pray and they're just going on and on and on and on and they're covering everything from my next door neighbor to, you know, world peace and, you know, (laughs) you know, and I don't think it's the length of the prayer that makes it more powerful either, is it? But there was something in the way that Jesus prayed, the authority that he prayed with, the kind of, the the language that he used or, or some kind of something that happened in the spiritual realm when Jesus prayed that made his disciples go, we would love to be able to pray like that. Jesus, teach us how to do that. You know, I found it really interesting when you, when you study the book of Luke uh, and you look at instances of prayer um, one of the interesting things that you find is that when Jesus does a miracle, there's not usually any mention directly of prayer preceding the miracle. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, Jesus comes and he performs miracles and he says, deaf ears be open. And he says, demonic spirit come out of him. But there's not kind of, there's this authority that Jesus walks in to be able to command miracles and speak miracles. But we don't necessarily, Luke doesn't uh, directly draw this connection between Jesus stopping and praying, uh, you know, when somebody needs a miracle. But often that's what, that's what we want to do, isn't it? And, and I don't think that's a, it's a bad thing to pray and ask God when we need a miracle. That's fine. But there's something that Luke is talking about here about prayer what is the role of prayer then in 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 the life of the believer when when we need God to intervene when we need God to move and step in what is if it's not kind of like a you know we don't see that direct connection in in the gospel of Luke and in Jesus ministry what what is the role of prayer of course prayer is still a necessary part of that but what role does it play and I think what what Luke is suggesting to us in the way that he writes and the way that he describes events and details things for us, he certainly talks about Jesus praying regularly and frequently. And I think what Luke is suggesting is that Jesus' authority from the Father is established in his prayer life. And then that authority that Jesus has that comes from the connection and the relationship with the Father that's established in his prayer and his connection, he then walks in that authority to be able to perform miracles and that authority to do those miracles comes out of that connection that's established in his prayer life. Does that make sense? So let's dive into some scriptures this morning. Let's have a little bit of a look at some things that uh, Luke's gospel teaches us about prayer. And I want to start, I I guess I kind of want to talk a little bit, uh, not just about the importance of prayer, but I want to give us a bit of a pattern for prayer. And Jesus gave us a pattern for praying uh, when he taught his disciples what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And what he was talking, it wasn't just kind of like, well, if you just recite this, it's a magic formula and then, you know, God will hear you because we know that's not how it works, don't we? But Jesus was saying, here are some principles, here's a pattern for praying uh, uh, that, that can help you when you come to pray. Uh, and there's times when I've uh, prayed and kind of prayed through this pattern and it's been really powerful. Uh, and so I want to kind of talk a little bit about that this morning. But in Luke 11, the, the first four verses is Luke's account of Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. 
It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? There's like this comparison between John the Baptist and his disciples and, uh, and Jesus and his disciples. And it's like Jesus' disciples were like, hey, you know, they got to do this. How come we don't get to do that? <laughs> uh, he says, just like, you know, John taught his disciples to pray, why don't you teach us to pray your way, Jesus? And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. This is from the New Living Translation. So if you've memorized the Lord's Prayer, it might sound just a little bit different. It's also the Luke version, not the Matthew version. So there might be some bits which are not here, which you expect to be here, because they're from the Matthew version. But we want to focus on the Luke version this morning uh, and the pattern that this shows us. It says, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. This is Jesus' pattern for prayer that he taught his disciples. Now, the first thing that Jesus starts off with, and one of the things that I actually find really helpful when I begin to pray, sometimes it's kind of like, sometimes it's hard to get started, isn't it? You just kind of go, I'm just going to pray now. You know, unless you've got something really specific that you're praying for and talking to God about, sometimes I find it a little bit hard to kind of get going. And one of the things that is a great way for us to begin pray, prayer is with praise. Just as Jesus says, when you, when you pray, he started off with, Father, may your name be kept holy. Praise and worship is a great thing to bring us... Now, you might not be here at church on a... It's easy to kind of worship here on a Sunday morning and we've got the awesome band playing the songs and, you know, we get into it and it really brings us into the attitude of prayer and focus on God. But we, we can't do that every time we want to pray. If we only prayed once a week, probably a little underdoing it, I think. <laughs> and so we have to, we have to work, work out how to incorporate praise and worship. It doesn't mean that you have to sing a song if you're not a singer. Now, you might be a singer. You might love to sing and, and singing might be a fantastic way. You can put on some, you know, your, your favorite song on, you know, YouTube clip and that, that helps you to get started in focusing on God. But it doesn't have to be a song. Praise and worship can be just starting off your prayer with, God, you are awesome. God, you are worthy of praise. God, I want to fix my eyes on you because you are good. You are faithful Mighty God, and everything you do is good. You know, it's, it can be as simple as that. Just declaring God's goodness, fixing our eyes. Prayer is first and foremost time that we choose to devote to our relationship with our Father God. Prayer is choosing to interact with Him as our Father. Prayer is making a choice to stop and say, I want to spend some time with you. I want to talk with you. I want you to talk with me. I want us to to kind of sort some stuff out maybe. It is the language of love in our restored relationship with our Father God and our amazing Saviour through the work of the Holy Spirit. It is our opportunity to speak words of honour 
speak words of love, to speak words of gratitude to God. And he responds to us in that, doesn't he? Jesus would often retreat and go off into quiet places and sometimes he'd, he'd spend hours or, you know, even a, a whole day or a whole night just kind of like seeking that solitude to just kind of slow down and create time for his relationship with his Father. Uh, in Luke 5, we read, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. This wasn't just a one-time thing. It was something that his disciples observed that he would do regularly. It was something that his disciples observed was a habit that Jesus had made and, and got himself into. Part of this aspect of praise uh, and worship of God is, is thankfulness, so it ought to be thankfulness. Not for God's sake, as if he somehow needed our appreciation to, to validate him or who he was or what he did. You know, he doesn't need our gratitude or appreciation, does he? But it's good for us, isn't it? It's good for us to honour God for the things that he's done. It's good for us to be thankful and to express that gratitude, not to take for granted, but to, to express gratitude and remind ourselves of what God has done for us. It's really easy to just kind of gloss over things sometimes that God does for us. We go, oh yeah, that's awesome, that's, that's cool, how that worked out. <laughs> you know, but, but for, we, we need to be people who go, oh, that's something that God did for me, thank you God. And as, as we build in a habit of doing that, we kind of get to that, uh, the, those thought processes, that attitude of, God is a God who cares for me, who provides for me, who looks out for me, who watches over me, who meets my needs, who, uh, you know, who, who knows the hairs on my head, he knows what I need before I ask for it and, and he's uh, able to provide, he's a good God, he's a loving God. If, if we're continually kind of overlooking or, or writing off the things that God does for us, then we lose a little bit of that sense of um, God watching out for us and providing for us, don't we? It's also out of this heart time with the Father, if you like, that we receive the affirmation that we need as His children. There's nothing wrong with needing and wanting affirmation. Even though it's, a, it's kind of a bit of an Aussie thing, isn't it, to go, oh, you're, you're looking, you know, fishing for compliments and, you know, that's kind of a bit of a, a criticism or a... a <laughs> kind of a thing is someone's needy you know when they they need affirmation or or validation but needing affirmation does not mean that you are deficient in any way or, or needy or I mean some of us need it more than others and that's just the 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 way that we're wired and, and part of our temperament but we are all built and wired to in in some degree to need affirmation aren't we 
It, it, it feels great when somebody affirms our worth and kind of expresses that sense of appreciation for who you are as a person. You know, if I say, Gary, you know, I really appreciate your friendship and it's, you know, love to, to catch up and hang out and, you know, that, that kind of stuff, you know, it, it's an awesome thing. I, I'm going to, you know, tick one of Gary's boxes for today, aren't I? Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> You know, but, but we're also wired to need that affirmation from our Father God. And, and we see this, you know, God loves to affirm us. Have you ever noticed that? God loves to encourage us. He loves to build us up. He loves to affirm us. We see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus uh, w- was affirmed by God. And I think that's, uh, you know, he doesn't specifically say, oh, he really needed it that day because he was feeling down or something like that, you know, like we might do sometimes. But we see it outworked. In Luke 3, chapter 21 and 22, we read this account of when Jesus went down to the Jordan and was baptized. It says, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. What an amazing affirmation that was. Now, if Jesus needed affirmation, if God decided that Jesus needed to hear that affirmation from him, then how much more do you and I in our insecurities and our weaknesses and our doubts and our fears uh, and our uncertainties, how much more do we need to hear that affirmation from our Father? And do you know where we get that affirmation? Do you know the times that we hear that affirmation? When we are listening when we are in prayer and we are spending time and we are opening our ears and saying, God, what do you want to say to me today? He has the opportunity to speak into your life that affirmation, that well done, that, you know, yes, come on, let's do it together kind of affirmation that we need. Because if we don't stop long enough to listen, how can we hear that? We might tell ourselves that, We might look for it from other people, but if we are not making time to listen to our Father, we do not hear it from Him. And that's a really important uh, thing. Later on in in chapter 9, when Jesus went up on the mountain um, with Peter, James and John, and and that was the whole transfiguration thing. Jesus starts glowing and Moses and Elijah suddenly appear, even though they've been dead for hundreds of years and... You know, there's this kind of this, you know, this amazing kind of stuff going on. And uh, the disciples were half asleep. It says they were like, you know, sleepy and all the rest of it. Um, sound familiar? It's like these disciples, they're always falling asleep. What's with that? Especially when it's time to pray. Um, <laughs> anybody relate? Yeah. <laughs> anybody go, I'm going to pray now, close my eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, 30 minutes of praying goes fast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, they're up on the mountain and, and this crazy stuff is happening and this cloud appears and envelops them all and it's, like, it's the glory cloud of God. It's the very presence of the Father God and out of that, the, in that, that voice from the cloud, a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. Again, we have that, that affirmation that, you know, that attaboy, that yes, this is, this is my son, this is, you know, listen to him. 
<coughs> affirmation from God and then boom, suddenly they're alone with Jesus again and it's all gone. <laughs> and they must have been sitting there scratching their heads going, did I just imagine that? And they'd be looking at each other, did you see that too? Did I? <laughs> I think that's what I would have been doing. I'd be like, okay, so that's number one, praise, spend time, begin with that attitude of getting into prayer by, by praising, focus on God, on His goodness, on His faithfulness. We've been singing about that this morning. Great way to start praying. Secondly, submit. Submission, submitting to God. Prayer, uh, a big part of prayer is about realigning ourselves with God. Often we're tempted to think that prayer is about making sure that God's on board with what plans I've made. Making sure that God knows what He needs to do for me. Making sure that God knows what I need right now. But prayer, Jesus kind of teaches us that it's kind of the opposite of that really, isn't it? When He says, when He prays, may your kingdom come soon. When He prays, may your kingdom come. Uh, in Matthew, we read the kind of the, the extra clarification on earth as it is in heaven. You might be thinking that in your brain when we say, may your kingdom come. But what's a kingdom? A kingdom is a political area or, or a, a geographical area that's ruled by a king or, or a, a monarch, a, a queen, if you like. In this case, it's a king. And we say, Jesus, we want your kingdom to be established here. We want, and what, what we're really saying is we want the rule and the reign of the king to be here. It's an acknowledgement of who is in control, of who is the king and who is the servant. And when we say, God, establish your kingdom, your kingdom come here, what we really say is, God, I want you to be the boss. I want you to be the one who is in charge, who has authority, who decides what happens and what doesn't happen, who is in authority over this place. And we're surrendering to His authority and to His will. For me, this expression, may your kingdom come, is echoed as well in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus prays, Lord, if you're, I think, have I got it here? Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Now, for a lot of us, this is kind of, that's the point where our prayers stop. God, I'm suffering, would you please take away my suffering? It's kind of a lot of, <laughs> we're, amen. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus goes on, doesn't he? He says, yet, not what, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Not my will, but yours. And I think sometimes this is what our, this is a, a dimension of our prayer which is a little bit lacking because what we really, what Jesus is saying is, you know, I, Father, I want to surrender to to what you want i want to align myself to your will and not expect you to align to mine and this is what what prayer is about one of the things that prayer is about is about realigning ourselves and making sure that we are surrendered and submitted to god it's not coming to god and say god you need to do this you need to do that you need to do that it's saying god here are the things that i'm going through help me know what to do Help me to deal with it. Help me to be content when I don't have these things. Help me to know what it is that you want me to do. If you don't want me to go here and do this, then, then please make, let, let me know. Make it known to me. 
so that I can be obedient to you and to your will. Are there areas of our life that we struggle to surrender or to let go of? Are there, are there kind of those, uh, maybe just stop and think for a moment, just allow the Holy Spirit right now just to kind of maybe prompt your, your, your thinking in this area. What are the things where, you know, I, I really don't want to let go of that thing. I would find it, if God asked me to give that up and to let go of that, I would find that really difficult. What are the things that I struggle to actually surrender control of? Are there decisions maybe that you need to make? That you need to seek the heart of God for? Uh, in Luke chapter 6, we read about Jesus who had an important decision to make. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. And at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Do we ask God for his wisdom before we make a decision? Or do we ask him to bless our plans and actions after we make a decision? Do we sometimes avoid asking God about important decisions because we're afraid of what his answer might be? I won't ask for a show of hands on that one. <laughs> but it's a challenging one, isn't it? It's, it comes back to that, am I, am I really willing to surrender control to God or do I just say that I am? until it actually comes down to that particular area or that particular thing because I need to make sure that this happens in this particular way and that God doesn't do something different because I couldn't handle that. It's a challenge, isn't it? And it's something that we kind of need to be aware of and allow the Holy Spirit to kind of challenge us and, you know, in our prayer life when we're talking to Him, nothing should be off limits for the Holy Spirit, should it? And it's easy to say that, but sometimes there are times when that's tough. All right. Thirdly, he says, give us the bread that we need for today. Give us our food that we need for today. Number three, praying for practical needs. Praying for practical needs is a good thing to come into our, into our prayer and committing that to God. Just note that the order that it comes comes in like it's not the first thing on the list it's kind of down the track a little bit now one of the things that I noticed when I when I read this prayer of Jesus you'll notice that the pronouns are plural it's not give me the food that I need for today it's give us the food that we need for today do you notice that and through through throughout this prayer the pronouns are plural and what does that say was Jesus, what, what point, I, I don't think that was an accident. I don't think it was a, just a coincidence. I think Jesus is, is wanting to actually communicate and share to us that prayer is intended to be something that we do, not just for ourselves. We, prayer is something, yes, we can do it individually, um, but prayer is also intended to be done in a corporate kind of setting, a, a family setting, a, a church setting, just like we did this morning when we prayed together. Prayer is something that we do together um, as well as individually, but, but prayer is also something that we do, particularly when we come to praying for God, uh, bringing our needs to God is something that shouldn't just be focused on me and my needs. 
but on us and our needs, on, on our family, praying for our church family. Bringing our, our material and, and practical needs to God. I heard a story about uh, a little boy who was saying his prayers with his, his mum and uh, his grandma was in the, the next room and he was praying, he's praying, you know, saying his nighttime prayers, you know, please bless mummy and please bless daddy and, you know, and then, uh, uh, you know, please give me a good night's sleep. And then suddenly he looks up and says, and don't forget that I want a new bicycle for my birthday. <laughs> and mummy's like, you know, it's, what, what are you shouting for? You don't need to shout. God's not deaf. He says, yeah, I know, but grandma is. (laughs) Praying praying for our practical needs is is often something that dominates our prayer life, isn't it? It's often something that is probably a really significant part of, of why we pray and what we pray for. And yet we see it very little in the life of Jesus, don't we? We don't see Jesus praying for his next, you know, God, will you provide my, you know, we don't, we don't read stories about Jesus praying, oh God, you know, we need your financial provision for us. You know, what, is, what does he teach? Jesus affirms that God cares about meeting our needs, yet at the same time, he teaches us that the Father knows what we need and, is, um, and, and we need to trust him for it. Uh, Luke 12 says don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink this is Jesus teaching his disciples he says don't worry about such things these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world but your father already knows your needs seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need I think that that sense of praying uh, as a community, like community kind of praying really comes to the fore when we talk about this kind of stuff. You can imagine, can't you, the, the early believers in the Acts Church, just as, as we've done on numerous occasions, praying and asking God for the, the practical needs, the, the things that were needed to care for the poor and the, and the widows and, and what was going to come next, you know, for them, praying for one another. And I think that when we, are, when we are switched on and aware of the needs of our brothers and sisters and we begin to earnestly pray for God's provision in their life, I think that's actually a really powerful way to pray. It's interesting too that we see Jesus specifically talks about God give us what we need for today. He tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, don't be concerned that you don't have enough to last, you know, more than three weeks. You know, don't be concerned about your, you know, your superannuation account or, you know, what's going to happen in 20 years time or whatever. He's saying, you know, as long as you've got what you need for today, if you're, you've got no food on your table and pray for God to put food on your table, you know, but let's not get so wrapped up in down the track so don't worry don't borrow trouble from tomorrow all right uh so that's praying for practical needs and the last one so we've had what did we start we started with praise 
We started with, then what came next? I can't hear you. Come on. Submit. Submit. That's right. Praise, submit, asking for our practical needs. And fourthly, um, our spiritual needs. When Jesus prays, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and help us not to yield to temptation. What is he talking about? He's talking about our spiritual needs. What is our, our primary spiritual need? Our primary spiritual need is connection with our Father, isn't it? That, that, that's the most important thing. Um, uh, in the context of, of praying, not just for ourselves, but praying for, for one another, we have forgiveness. You know, we, we, sin breaks our relationship with God and separates us. So he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's kind of like restoring our relationship with the Father. Now, on, oh, just quickly on this forgiveness, in, in the context of not just praying for ourselves, it's one thing to pray, understand like we need to pray for um, God to forgive us for our sins, but how often do we pray that God would forgive someone else's sin? You know, when we say forgive us our sin, he doesn't say pray God forgive me for my sin, he says forgive us for our sin. When was the last time you prayed that God would forgive someone else's sin? Maybe you do, maybe you don't, I don't know, I haven't prayed that recently. <laughs> you know, maybe even praying for that God would forgive somebody who has sinned against you. That's next level, isn't it? Alright, I just wanted to throw that out there. Don't let us give in to temptation. Jesus is praying and is instructing his disciples to pray and we see it a number of times in Luke uh, to pray that they would be able to stand firm and resist temptation. So it's forgive us our sin so that we're restored back into relationship again with God and then help us not to keep sinning so that we stay in relationship and those things don't keep breaking uh, the relationship and getting in the way of the relationship that we have with God. Uh, Luke 22, uh, Jesus says, he's, he's talking to, to Simon Peter and he says, I've prayed for you. Um, he says, Satan's asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. You know, like praying for your brothers and sisters, praying for your, you know, your, your pastors and leaders, praying for your government, you know, all those things are great things to pray. Pray that, that we and they will not yield to temptation. For, for strength, this is something that Jesus teaches us to pray for. When, when we understand this as being, I'm not just praying for myself here in this prayer, but for my church and for, for the, the wider Christian community. Lastly, uh, one of the things that Luke also talks about, and I just want to quickly touch on this, is our attitude when we do come to pray and he, he, there's a number of stories that jesus tells that help us we touched on one i don't know if it was last week or the week before the, the story of the pharisee and the tax collector and talked about the importance of coming in humility when we pray we don't come with boastfulness and with pride but that we come with recognition that we need god's grace but he also talks about persistence he talks about, gives us parables like the, the parable of the, the persistent widow who, who needed justice and would, would keep going and asking the judge to, to hear her case. 
and he says you know this is how you should pray and Luke kind of gives us this attitude of coming and and praying and and being persistent in prayer and coming in humility I just wanted just to, to close our eyes and and just focus just for a couple of minutes and just want to Give the, the Holy Spirit an opportunity just to, to kind of speak to us. Prayer can be a challenge and a lot of us, I think, if we allow it to be uh, something that speaks to our hearts, and I, this might be something that you, you know that you've been struggling to, to make time for prayer. You've been, like we said before, you've been, you know, one of those people and it's just busyness happens and stuff crowds out and you know there's not anything urgent and so it kind of gets pushed and it's been pushed and it's been pushed and it's been pushed and you know that the Holy Spirit is challenging you to make time for Him this morning. I want to encourage you like start simple, start small, commit to finding even just five or ten minutes to just talk to God and, and listen to Him and what He has to say. Create time. Be deliberate. Be intentional. Don't just kind of hope that it'll just happen, that you'll just find yourselves with 10 minutes free and that'll be, you know, that'll be that time you pray because, you know, who knows what can happen in that moment. You know, there's all these kind of temptations, isn't there? We pick up our phone and we, we check what's been happening on Facebook or we scroll this or we check the news feed or, you know, see what's on TV and all those kind of things. We fill up time unless we create that intentionally, that time to be with God. Find a time, find a place that suits you. It doesn't really matter that much. Maybe this... This pattern that we've talked about this morning could be something that helps you. You can linger in it for as long as you want or you can, it, it can be brief, it can be short. But, you know, the, this pattern of, of praise and, and submission, of asking for practical needs and spiritual needs. Pray for your church family. As God brings people to your mind as you stop and as you begin to listen and begins to to put people's faces and names before you pray for them pray for their needs pray that god would meet their needs physically and and spiritually that that god would forgive them and and help them to to stand firm and resist temptation in their lives pray for your leaders your leaders in in church at, at work in government wherever it might be, as God puts it on your heart. Pray for your leaders. Pray those same things for them. They need that as much as anybody. I want to encourage you this week to have these, these, these four simple words on repeat in your life. I need to pray. Father, we thank you that you are always willing to talk to us, that you always have time for us. And as we draw near to you, you draw near to us and you meet us in that place. Father, we thank you that you are a good and loving God, that you know everything that we need and you, you provide so wisely and generously for us. And you withhold things that you know will 
not uh, benefit us. Father, we, we pray that you would help us to be people who love to draw near, people who love your presence. Lord, that we'd be people who cannot wait until Sunday morning to come into your presence, but look for it each and every day. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, that we we look for that connection with you, our Father God. Lord, help us to be people who connect into you, connect into that source of life, that source of strength, that relationship that we have with you. Lord, we pray and ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.